Hello beautiful people and welcome to another episode of Turns Out She's Psychic and we are so grateful that you just keep coming back each week to see what we've got and this week is no different uh, but first of all I have a special Spirit Speaks that I would like to dedicate to a very special energy and soul and spirit that has been in my life for the last 15 years and that is of my beautiful Labrador Buddha who we had to say goodbye to on Saturday and uh, one of the questions that I put up to spirit about this I had many trust me but one of the questions that I put up to spirit was why does this this last breath that I saw Buddha release and expel from his lungs after his heart had stopped. Why does that breath just keep replaying in my mind over and over again and weighing really heavily on my heart? And I knew there was something in that, something greater than simply just witnessing that moment. And Spirit gave me a beautiful answer and and basically it was just that Buddha had given me another gift, not the last, but just another gift of helping me realise how much he unconditionally accepted my choice over the last few years to make living in the present moment my priority and teaching people to do the same. It was a reminder of how in our breath, the quality of our breath, we are able to deepen our experience of the present moment and to never take that breath for granted. And that the quality of that present moment, to not take that for granted either. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. You know, it has definitely rocked my world. And whilst I have experienced loss and grief and heartbreak it was actually my very first experience of seeing a life end and I hugged him very tight and whilst it was so sad and heartbreaking it was also one of the most beautiful experiences that I could ever have been gifted so I just wanted to in honor of Buddha's memory use this opportunity to remind everyone of their present moment and to embrace it and to honour it and to deepen it. All you need to do is connect to your breath. So I really appreciate the love and support as well um, over social media over the weekend, the last few days. It's been incredibly um, powerful for myself and my family. And we do really appreciate it and will forever be grateful for that support and that love from complete strangers, but also from those close to us as well. So without further ado, I put you into the episode on the ego and I hope you all enjoy it. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. <laughs> <laughs> We're now putting out this podcast in German. <laughs> Why not? I'm 2% German. Oh, God. <laughs> God damn. That was just the 2% of me. That's ancestry.com. That's how you actually DNA. know that. Yep. You're a funny one. Uh-huh. Welcome, listeners, to Turns Out She's Psychic. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with us for another episode. Today is a big one. We're going to talk about ego. And Tracy's going to give us the spiritual spin on that. Mm-hmm. So over to you. Yeah, cool. So ego, it's a big topic, and um, but I try to simplify it as much as possible for everyone to understand. So if you can think about the ego as something that only exists in human form for starters. So only in our human experience of our whole soul experience does the ego exist because it vibrates really low. Now the ego is something that we, it's like a, um, 
in its in it in and of itself it's like a tool that is given to us in our human experience to keep us alive so our ego is the parent the single parent of fight flight and freeze our survival instincts now the idea of the ego from the universal perspective and the spiritual perspective is its job is simply to keep us alive not to keep us protected of things that are meant for us. So a lot of people will find that their ego will kick in or not even kick in, just be the pilot of their life, pretty much most of their life um, for everything. So even if they're sad or angry or embarrassed or ashamed or guilty or whatever, um, their ego will be there as that emotion uh, to protect them from a worse off situation. Okay. So if you um, can understand you've got yourself, so in that lovely diagram, um, that human experience that is us now, you've got all those spiritual things that go up and then the ego sort of sits to the side because it can only exist in this realm human realm so the ego is next to us the ego is something that I uh, in my personal opinion I reckon 80% of people on the earth at the moment are attached to their ego so their ego is ruling the show so the ego is yeah. Without realising even. Perhaps. Correct. Because it's yep. not an intentional egotistical thing, which is what most people think ego is. It's mm, like, well, right. I'm not selfish. I'm not ruled by ego. I'm probably the selfless person in the world that I know. Gotcha. But that's not what ego is. Yep. It's just what humans see it as. Um, so being attached to your ego means that you're completely unaware for starters. But it also means that you, since your ego landed, which I'll talk about in a minute, but since your ego landed, you've been making decisions from your ego self. So much so that most of the time you've gotten yourself completely out of alignment, completely off path of your highest good. Because someone might have broken up with you when you were, say, 16, and your ego would have just said, oh, fuck them. Like they're not worth it anyway. And your friends, yeah, your friends would have said the same thing. Like you deserve better than that. Yeah. Fuck him. (laughs) You're perfect. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) His loss, all of that sort of fun stuff. Never happened to us ever. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No idea at all. (laughs) Still hate you. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Sarah is very attached to ego. (laughs) Come here, ego. It doesn't need to come here. It's already there. (laughs) So what we need to understand is that ego ultimately in the best case scenario sits next to us and we are aware of the fact that it is there. So my ego, once you go through an ego detachment process on your spiritual journey, your ego sits kind of outside of you and you're aware that it's there and you get to even the point where you are so grateful and your ego is like one of your greatest allies, one of your bestest friends, because ultimately you know that she's just there or he's just there to protect you. It's like the most protective, overzealous, overprotective, kindest friend that you could ever have, except it goes the extra mile when it doesn't need to. It's an extremist. It is very, yeah, it's a great way of describing it. And you're the one, I guess, because it doesn't know that you're not essentially talking to it in terms of, you know, your friend, like you and I, like you know when to back off and I know when to back off, but at the same time <laughs> we know when when we need to come closer. Like it's you just read each other's I suppose so. Yeah, I just thought about it. Yeah, well you sometimes it. you just don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> Well sometimes you just ignore me. <laughs> I was like, oh got it. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> well, you have always said you don't get subtleties, but anyway, you're a little bit like the ego, you don't get subtleties. Anyway. Whatever. Anyway. Um If you've got um, your ego there, 
unless you tell your ego to sit down and shut up yeah. or thank you for for trying to protect me but you don't need to, then it will protect you. And the way that it will do that is it will find the lesser of the evils. So if you're experiencing heartache and you like maybe someone died and because grief is something new to you and you've never felt it before and it hurts so much, your best friend ego will go, oh, no, I don't want you to hurt that bad. So how about we just have anger? Oh, gotcha. How about we just deal with anger because we know anger. We're going to survive through anger. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the ego has this hierarchy of depth that says, okay, um, I want to protect you. And we, we, we don't know, like even for people that um, don't allow themselves to um, feel um, like really good, you know, like really joyful experiences or maybe fall in love, like they pull back. Yeah. That's the ego that's just like, oh, that's scary because if you give all of yourself, then, you know, what if you get your heart broken? Yeah. So then ego says, no, we'll just instead, we'll deliver or we'll experience, um, I don't know, um, I'd rather be alone or, you know, I'm independent. And the ego thinks that it's protecting you, but it's really just using your previous pool of experiences in terms of what you've survived through so far. Yeah, it's preventing you from really experiencing Correct. other further things that you haven't experienced Correct. because it's perceived as scary. Correct. So it shuts you down. Yes. Gotcha. So if you can think about when we talk about being in alignment, in alignment, you're meant to experience all that is for you, and your for your highest good might be grief. It might be to have your might be to have your heart broken. Yeah. It might be to be all these things because we're supposed to experience all these things because that's our human experience, and yes. that's why we're having a human experience to experience those things. That's right. So the ego ultimately is really just here to keep us alive, not to keep us protected from experiencing emotions. It's a cock blocker. <laughs> you know what we need to get we need to get (laughs) we need to get like underwear that has ego written on it (laughs) stay away i'm in my ego it's a cock blocker (laughs) dear i don't know how you went to that anyway i was just picturing like ego sort of (laughs) Buffering you from anything, you know, going out too far. It just keeps you. I wish you could see Laura's little <laughs> hand movements now. She's like doing like karate chops, like yes. cock blocker. Nearly <laughs> just took my headphones off. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> Don't be sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not really, but probably I'm sorry to the listeners, not to you. Uh, so what I want everyone to understand or write down at least or just check for later on is that ego essentially is the single parent of fight, flight and freeze. So if you can ask yourself every time you are feeling a little bit sort of uncomfortable, a little bit of discomfort in terms of, oh, I don't like how this feels, whether it's good or bad, um, you can ask yourself the question, is my life really in danger? Which I don't know if some people will remember is one of my nine questions that I have on my riftboard. And that's why I ask myself that because if my life's not in danger, then my ego needs to take a seat. Come the fuck down. Correct. Needs to be the friend that just, you just sit down and you say, hey, bestie, um, I'm okay. Thank you. I love you, but sit down. I got it. And really the ego will do what it's told. And so that's when we get to the point of that threshold where it becomes this beautiful kind of um, dance, I guess, with our ego not being attached to us. So when we detach from ego, we witness our ego and we observe our ego, but we're not ruled by our ego. Yeah. So the first step is realizing when it's there. and Which it's, it's always there. It's always there. When it's driving you, like some people don't even realise it is. Most people don't. So when you do, wouldn't that be the biggest thing? Correct. Like the biggest hurdle to Mm -hmm. just Mm realise? And when everyone reads my book, (laughs) you will all be able to go through your ego detachment um, in a very simple 
way, <laughs> a la Tracy's way. <laughs> um, but ego also is one of those things that um, you, it, you once you start to once you start to um, detach from it and become more aware of yours, you also become more aware of others. Yeah. And you start to see the people that are ruled by their ego and you can become quite compassionate to the fact that they're just unaware. And it doesn't mean that you get to be all kind of um, condescending and, you know, all those, you know, things that are judgment based in terms of, oh, you don't even know you're just in your ego. And yeah. <laughs> um, but Read this book. Yeah. <laughs> Only I get to say things like that because <laughs> people pay me to find out this stuff. <laughs> but don't say it to your friends, let me tell you. Just tell them to listen to this podcast instead. Hey, you need to listen to podcast episode number whatever. It turns out she's psychic. <laughs> um, yeah, so you start to notice other people's ego and then when you can do that, life starts to change pretty quickly because you can understand other people's intentions better and their motives um, and sometimes they're not realizing so much how counterintuitive um, they're behaving or moving towards something. Uh, and that's why I like to read people's intentions more than anything because their ego is is not there to be pretentious or to be um, egotistical or oh, whenever I say that I think of testicle, I can't help it, sorry. <laughs> How have I never made that correlation? I don't know. I will but... now. Thank you. <laughs> that was such a gift. Egotistical. So, oh, I can't. I just think of it and I see testicles. Of course. Cause I see the visual. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> anyway. Made. Anyway. Um, yeah, so you start to see other people's ego working and when you can start to read people's intention the world just gets to be a nicer place as well because when you can read people's intention and you've got your intention firm, you can work with intention rather than what they're displaying because what they're displaying is just their survival. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I was just wondering how, like, you can see people's intentions. Can we see people's intentions? You can when you notice their ego responding. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, for example... Um, you might see someone like your partner or your best friend or your child um, or your parent or whatever um, going through something that, um, you know, maybe, they're, maybe they've lost someone. And you know that they're grieving and you know that they ultimately uh, they might be just angry or they might be in avoidance. They might be doing all these different things. They might be drinking. They might be exercising or, or working just to avoid feeling that sadness. They might be saying out loud, I'm fine. Like I'm good. You know, like I have my sad days, but I'm okay. But you know, well and good that from that point, when you're detached from your ego, you know that that's just their ego talking and their ego is preventing them from feeling the, the experience of the sadness. And that the best thing for them is sadness, except they're just protecting themselves or their best friend ego is ruling the show right now to protect them. So when you know that, it's kind of like a, it helps you then navigate and manage the best way for you to show up for them Yeah. because you don't have to be responsive to their anger or their avoidance. You don't have to, you know, then be in your ego to get them out of their ego. Instead, you can just be that space for them with a pure intention to just hold space for them so that when they're with you, maybe they can cry. They feel a bit more safe. Yeah. So does that does that answer that question? Like in terms of how you can see people's other intention, like people's intentions? Like yep. it's not so much their intentions at that point, but it's what really, it's how the ego is, is controlling them. I think it might be easier to do that like on pause or reflection rather than straight away if you find yourself in a not volatile that sounds really dramatic but you know if you have an exchange of somebody of I don't know words or disagreement and then rather than reacting straight away if you take just a little moment to 
fully absolve how you've behaved and how they've behaved and then try and figure out where that has come from. Yeah, absolutely. You might hate the other person a little less for what they've said because you can maybe realise that as it wasn't actually them. Yeah, when you take a second. Yeah. And that's one of the things when you detach from your ego, you are afforded time. Like it's like um, when I say this, I don't really know how to describe it to people unless they experience it. It's kind of like we can slow time and space down because time is a human construct the way that we see it. I don't, or I only see it that way when, when I need to, to fit with humans essentially, or be the human, but time and space is something that I can slow down. Um, I don't know if everyone will be able to do that when they detach from ego, cause I don't know, but it's just something that I can do. And so when I'm in a time where something like that is happening, where I'm being confronted by someone's personality or their ego or whatever, and maybe my ego is more firmly attached. Yeah. Um, not attached, but more firmly present. Um, usually um, I feel my ego take over and that's my signal because I've been doing this for a while now. That's my signal to just go, oh, pause. And so I'm not hearing the words that are coming out of that person's mouth. I'm feeling their intention at that point. Yeah, you're not even absorbing it. No. You don't need to anyway. No, it's like yeah. cock blocker. Yeah. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> and it's like flying all around me like the Matrix style. It's yeah. like I'm stuck in – I'm not stuck, but I'm centred in this stillness of yeah. what's really going on and it's all flying around me and I'm just looking straight into that person's soul, really. <laughs> That's a bit creepy. Yeah. But it's more a – just an awareness yeah. that, okay, if my ego's stepping in, then you're definitely in your ego, which I know anyway because most people are. But it just gives you that chance. I guess it's just second. It becomes second nature. Yeah. It's just getting there. It is. And it's a process, but that's why it's a journey. And that's yep. what we're here for as humans. Like it's we not are an here. easy one. No, but mm. we're here to progress. Yeah. We're not ever meant to stop. You know, like I always say to people when, they, when they've gone through their detachment with me or just their detachment outside of me and then I meet them or whatever, but I always say to them, it's a constant progression and process of um, of learning to do that dance because your ego doesn't leave you when you detach from it. Your ego just stops controlling you. And then you can start to be not controlled but led by or guided by your higher self. And so that's when you're the most intuitive. So, you. so you can't have one without the other. There's only one driver. Like duck. Yeah. Well... They're both driving you because your ego is there now to represent when you're about to feel something that is an opportunity to expand. Right. But up until then, you've mostly always contracted into ego and not grown because the ego is that point that says when it rears its head, it goes, bestie, bestie to the rescue. We're, we're about to experience something that's going to feel a little bit or, you know, take us through a little bit more of a depth than what we're used to. Like it's where we're going to, instead of being able to touch the ground now, you might get to the point where you can't touch the ground anymore. Can you swim? And most of the time our human self will go, fuck, no, I'm scared. Quick, take me back to the edge. And that's the ego. The ego will go, okay, pick you up and take you. And be excited that it got to rescue you, which yeah. is why people think that they're doing well through things. Danger, danger, retreat, retreat. Correct. And that's ego. And so the higher self says, have faith, you can swim. Mm -hmm. And so the ego is definitely there to let us know when we're out of our depth or when there's potential to either sink or swim. And until we detach from our ego and then able to say thank you for showing me that I'm about to have the opportunity to start developing my skills as a human, i.e. swim, um, and I don't need to be rescued and I want to actually learn how to swim, i.e. experience sadness or heartache or um, something that I've never experienced before, whether it's, you know, love even, Go a bit deeper. Correct. Yep. So the ego is not a bad thing. It's a it's a beautiful tool that we have. And the only time that we really need to listen to it, though, 
is when we are literally in physical human life danger. Other than that, it's just a flag to say, hey, just check yourself before you wreck yourself. Ooh, <laughs> <thing. nice. laughs> yeah, so yeah. the higher self will take it from there. Yeah. But the ego will take you back every time. So just being aware of it. Practice Correct. being aware of it. Practice just sidelining it when you don't need it. Yeah. And so what most people sober up with when I speak to them, um, which again is in the book, and it talks about how most people are living their life in survival mode, i.e. ego. Most people. And when you say that to someone, they're like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, shit, when you put it like that, I don't, I'm not too happy about that because you've pretty much been in survival mode since the first time your ego landed, which is when that front part of the brain develops when you're around four that has risk assessment. That's when your ego starts to take over. Right. To keep you safe. To keep you safe. Yeah. To keep your human self in longevity so you can learn soul lessons. But ultimately, your ego is that overzealous, overprotective friend that prevents you from learning soul lessons. Yep. So that's why ego detachment is crucial. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So ego will play out for people usually in the same way as well. Oh, go on. Um, there's fight, flight and freeze. So you will have usually most people have one style, fight, flight or freeze. Um, and I don't really want to go too much into it because this is a huge topic and it that's is. why the yes. book that's why the book is there because it yeah. breaks down all of this and more takes you from ego detachment into higher self and all of that. But most of the time you can just by saying that most people have a style fight, flight or freeze, it's enough for you to start to reflect on your own style and how you may have gotten yourself to where you've got yourself now. Or the lesser known fawn, flight, fright, freeze or fawn, which is the people please are like, oh, okay, sure, do whatever, I don't mind. That's freeze. Similar. <laughs> yeah, it's freeze. Yeah, okay. It's a type of freeze. Mm -hmm. So it is the mature freeze. Oh, okay, progresses. Yeah. Mm, right. Yeah. Maybe so, that's why it got dropped off somewhere along the line. Yeah, probably. And because, again, it's just another way, it's another name. It's like the shadow self. It's like another name for something that is already simply there. Like ego oh, just okay. comes with fight, flight and freeze. There's lots of oh, different see, fight styles. I've fallen for ages. Yeah, but yeah. fawn is freeze. Yeah, okay. So there's lots of different fight styles. Yeah. There's, yeah. Um, there's the fighter, the physical aggressive fighter, the very assertive, loud, drama-fueled fighter. The obvious fighter. But then yeah. there's the fighter. What would you call this? If you've got fawn within freeze, what yeah. would you call the fighter who's the high achiever fighter? Who there's no physical aggression, but they are fighting in themselves. Like they're oh. fighting to be the best. Sacrifice, yeah, sacrifice, like sacrifice. perfectionist. Correct. Yeah. So they're yeah. fighters. So there's lots of different variants within each style yeah, of fight, sure. flight and freeze. And fawn is a freezer. Okay. It would have just been some the kind. style of freezing correct. is to just... Yes. play over to the whatever they want the other person wants yeah yeah oh, okay. it's that indecision it's that indecisive um and but fawn usually applies when a freezer has a little bit of a um, passive aggressive nature to them as well oh, right. and that's the way it plays out too yeah yep. um so there's lots of different yeah. lots of different variables within each one but there are only three right. fight flight and freeze gotcha um so when you start to do that too, when you notice yourself first, you then notice other people. So you notice your partner, your family, your friends, you know, your children, your parents. You start to notice people and then you're just like, okay, that's just their style. And again, it allows you to step back and compassionately approach the situation because you love these people. Because you're not reacting to whatever they're showing. Because that's ego against ego. Yeah. It's like yeah. two, like, what are they called? Male deers? 
Bucks. Bucks. It's yep. like two bucks going yep. at each other. And it's just your ego. It's those antlers that are your best friend that's trying to protect you. And meanwhile, your human self is sat behind and not being touched because the antlers are at each other. And where is your spirit in that? Where is your higher self in that that just says, hey, love, 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 love? Yeah. Um, so the ego will go into fight for you every time but it is doing it because it loves you as well and it wants to protect you and it does it takes its job so fucking seriously it's like your spirit guides you can't you 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 have to have your spirit guides they just they they belong to you they they don't exist without you and you don't exist without them you are one and the same however you're just different forms of yourself your ego is only a form that exists when you are human so without you being a human it doesn't exist so it, you matter to your ego a lot to stay here because ego self does not exist without you being a human. So it will fight for you for its own survival, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because in and of itself, it is an entity, an energy. So when we now use the word, oh, my God, they're, you know, they're so egotistical, testicle. <laughs> <laughs> testicle. It's such a testicle. Um. We will now, for starters, you're all going to giggle when you can see someone's in their ego because you're going to think they're such a testicle. Their whole head turns into a (laughs) sack. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would snap you out of it anyway, wouldn't it? (laughs) I love you. Nothing can upset you when their head turns into a hairy nutsack right before your eyes. I think I've perhaps taken this a little bit too far now. Oh, I can just see a peach seed. Yep. I see soft, wrinkly skin with... With little frip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. We might have to cut this out. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and deny everyone. <laughs> Shit. Oh. Okay, pull it back, pull it back. <clears throat> Professional. Yes, yes. So, now you... When someone is being egotistical... <laughs> When that's happening, what's when the that's... first thing that we can do? For Smile. <laughs> Visualize their head as a testicle, just one testicle. Yes. And then you can, first of all, that's going to help you sort of detach from your ego a little bit. Yeah, check yourself. Yeah. yeah, before you wreck yourself. Yeah. So it's going to be kind of like, okay, well, I'm not going to meet ego with ego. What I'm going to try and do is just go, okay, quickly. What is that person's fight style, flight style or freeze? Are they fighting, flighting or freezing right now? Because if they're that really kind of arc up, you know, you're at work and you've got that person that's just very confrontational and very like, why, 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 and my way or the highway, you know, that real kind of personality that everyone has in the workplace that they, that they're probably thinking of the person right now, that person is clearly a fighter. Uh, and so recognizing that that just means when you see that, that that person's ego is trying to protect them from feeling something that they don't want to. And that could potentially be um, admitting that they're wrong. It could be potentially that they're feeling overwhelmed. It could potentially be that they're um, maybe they don't um, trust other people or you know whatever it is being judged correct so whatever it is their ego is in control right now and they're unaware of that so rather than calling them testicle yes we can now recognize that this is just their ego self and it's not their best self and it's not who they are they're just surviving which means we can then look at the situation from compassion And then our intention moving forward comes from a compassionate intention vibration as opposed to an ego, go fuck yourself, Margaret. Yeah. I don't know why I called her Margaret. Sorry. Kind of felt like if I called her a Karen, then I'm just being. Oh, Karen's. Poor Karen's. They cop it enough. We love Karen. And I'm sorry, Margaret. Any Margaret. I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. I don't know. It's obviously something my ego has sitting inside that's left undone. (laughs) sorry so anyone any name whoever it is nigel i don't know yeah um fuck where did nigel go (laughs) oh my god anyway yeah so 
you can then come from compassion, which is yep. your intention. And ultimately, when you put out your higher self and you put out that vibration, a lot of the time it can disarm. Yes. So you can respond a bit more gracefully rather than just yeah. going, you're a Two bucks. fuckhead. You're a fucktard. Bye. Chesticle, yep. testicle head. Yep. Maybe leave it for another time. Continue later on. Don't mm. even. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? It's situation dependent. Situational. <laughs> <laughs> we need some flow Read the charts. Room. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get some flow charts up. No, we won't. So don't be expecting those flow charts. No one come at me with, where's the flow charts? <laughs> that would be a crazy flow chart because there's far ah. too many situations and far too many reactions. You're just going to have to get better practiced at living that out and being an observer of the situation rather Correct. than reacting all the time. And so one of the things that I suggest with the ego is just like with, um, I don't know if we've covered that yet, but anyway, when I'm with my clients and in the book and things like that, I talk about how the people that you do this for first, because they're the ones that affect your life the most. Like, you know, when we do vortexes, how we can separate the biggest parts of our lives and we should be intentionally and deliberately, you know, paying attention to those and, and designing them and curating them. It's the same with ego. So the people that impact your life the most are the ones that you should first of all try to not judge but assess within yourself so that you can stop having your ego protect you from their ego. Yes, you become aware of that relationship. Correct. So with your partner, with your children, your parents or your colleagues, they're they're the best ones to be very conscientious and deliberate with trying to apply this first. Because they're the ones that are going to affect your life That's the great most. advice. I love that. Thanks. Yeah. I'm good at giving advice, turns out. You're all right. Turns out I'm good at giving advice. Sometimes. <laughs> Occasionally. No, I love that. That's a very doable thing we can all do. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's some people that you can sit down and have that conversation with. Like maybe your best friend, yeah. maybe your partner, yeah. maybe your parent or your child. And if you can, that's even better. But there are some people like Margaret and Nigel, testicle heads, that um, you maybe can't have that conversation with because you know they're not going to get it. Like it's going to f- add fuel to the fire. And there's a time and place as well, isn't there? Sometimes yeah. you're not always given that opportunity. As well. It's yep. like it's not appropriate for you to no. turn around to your boss and go, you're such a testicle. <laughs> So, yeah, but there are ways that I call this manipulating, but with pure intent. So like you can manipulate an outcome. You're not trying to manipulate a person. You're just trying to manipulate the outcome that's best for everyone. And you can't judge it. You can't judge what you think is best because that's just thinking that you're better than them. That's judgment. Correct. Yeah. But at least if you're stuck in this like two bucks antlers stuck together and you're in this critical situation where it just never fucking changes and it's just always so toxic, then manipulating with pure intent to change the outcome, even if it's just one step less intense yeah, or just one way to add, sometimes I use this analogy as well, where it's just like adding conditioner to the dreadlock. It's like even if you just can apply one dose of conditioner just to sort of break up. Just soften. Just soften it. And then there might be some room to move. Mm, And if you can understand someone's ego a little bit better, you know, like if it's the boss at work or whatever or just that confrontational person at work, if you are slightly, you know, if you identify as a little bit more intuitive and empathic, you might actually be able to realise what it is that they're trying to not feel. It might be very obvious to you, to some people. Um, And if you can do that, then sit back and with compassion, just take a minute and try and figure out the best way to approach it, knowing that that's the sore spot for them, knowing that they're trying to protect themselves from feeling that because you don't know why. And it's not up for us to know why, is it? It's not up for us to know why, but it's up for us that if we want to live our life in more harmony and more authentically, it's up to us to look at the truth of what's happening. And we might not be 100% right, but it's better than where we were, which was yep. our own testicle head. Yes. Our own hairy nutsack. Correct. I really need to rewrite my book now. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's just number two. 
Mm. <laughs> Chapter two is going to be called Testicle Head. You're going to have to let the publishers mm. know. <laughs> <laughs> Testicle Head. No, I like that because we don't have to have all the answers. Like as soon as we can see it slightly differently from a slightly different angle, then that's enough sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it sends out like a ripple effect yeah, that yeah. will create some kind of change. It'll tease out some different outcome. Mm. Mm. Love it. Yeah, so ego is huge and deep and a lot and this is a very kind of, again, um, simple kind of easier way of understanding it for everyone Um, but as with everything it is very deep and there is a lot more to it so this is very surface but I feel like even just this awareness will help people shift and any more than this kind of knowledge is too much it'll just it's yeah you need to kind of be a little bit further into your ego detachment before more information is really relevant it's sort of like a, almost a lifelong thing, wouldn't you say? Like some people aren't aware that they're being driven by their ego and some people are, but then some people think I've got it and then they're only got it half the time. So Well, you've only got like it until the next time you get given an opportunity to expand. Yeah. So yeah. like I get opportunities to expand regularly. Everybody does. And yeah. my ego is there every single time. Yeah. And I'm really thankful for that because when she spikes up... <laughs> I say thank you and I then look to my higher self and I'm like, how can we expand through this? Yep. Yep, because it's easy to see ego um, as something really dark and dangerous and evil and that we should totally... Exactly. So just even understanding that for some people listening might be where they're at right now. Correct. Yeah. And and that's where most people are probably at. Mm -hmm. Seeing it in a slightly different way. Mm. Yeah. And just trying to just process this information and see how that plays out in their life. And then it is just a, that flow on effect. Just it's forever. It's forever progressing and journeying. I will never, ever want to be void of my ego because if I am, I'm dead. Yeah. So I always want my ego to be there. I'm just not going to be attached and driven and ruled and protected. Yep. It's a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Good chat. A little bit of chat before we get into the ghost story about thanking everyone for the boot camp signer-upperers. Yay! How many signed up? 50. Wow. 50. Awesome. So if you're listening to this at a much later date, it probably won't mean much to you, but on Tuesday. 1st of September. 1st day of spring. 1st day of spring. We're going to start 22 days of Raise Your Vibration Bootcamp. Yes. So that's super exciting. Yeah. Haven't done it in this format before, but you've definitely done it before. Yeah. In different ways. Yeah, just trust me. Super Laura, exciting. I'm always like, Laura, jump on and just trust me. We'll, we'll go, we're going to go flying and you just have to trust me that I know what I'm doing and where I'm going. <laughs> She's just like, okay. Wee. <laughs> Which is like a little safety net for little scary pants, Laura Poo. But that's cool. <laughs> I know you got me. And this is all good, so that's fine. And yeah. I did do your other one a year or so ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Actually, when I got my hair done through the week, my hairdresser said... She looks fabulous, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, Tracy. <laughs> no, my hair, like, because we were talking about the podcast and ghost stories and um, the... I think you just put up the ghost places, top ten in mm-hmm. Sydney. Anyway, she said... And I think I said something like, I never thought I'd be doing this. Like, I'm such a scaredy pants and here we are chasing these places down. And she said, do you get scared? Because, like, and I was like, yeah, I do. But when I'm with Tracy, not really, because I'm I'm fine then. (laughs) I think that's why I do it. (laughs) She's my protector. She's my angel. I know. Yeah. Without without loving you too much. (laughs) You know what I think is funny, though? Like, you just never get a choice in the matter. Like, I'm just like, hey, everyone, we're going to do some haunted locations, yes. <laughs> Laura and I, and you're just like, yeah. are we? Okay. Drop me in it <laughs> all the time. You just don't have a choice. No, that's okay. <laughs> I've learned. I'm learning to get a bit more used to that. <laughs> well, I'm just pushing your ego. You are. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and start reading this ghost story. Okay. <laughs> it says, 
Hi, I have a ghost story for your podcast. Who's Thank this? you, Kylie. Hi, Kylie. I was dating my partner. It was approximately eight years ago. We went out for drinks with friends and on the way home, we had an argument. He lived in Tumbiumbi. He went to sleep in his big bed and I went to sleep in one of his daughter's single beds in his daughter's room. The daughters were not home. I woke up in the wee hours to feel I was elevated above the bed. I couldn't move any part of my body. It was a scary feeling. I then was moving up and down the bed and not gently. It scared me even more. Holy crap. I just added the holy crap in because I just nearly holy crapped myself. Anyway, it was like someone um, was pushing and pulling me from the top of the bed to the bottom of the bed. All the while, I was still elevated about a foot above the bed. I tried to move my head to the side to see what was happening, but couldn't move it. It was like I was paralysed. I couldn't speak either. I could see a white light on my right hand side at my neck. And then I felt a nuzzling sensation at my neck. Oh, almost like a rough tickle, but not a tickle, like a nuzzling. This is so weird. The white light was very bright and coming from whatever was nuzzling my neck. I still couldn't move my head or body to see what was there. I was scared and thought I was in some possessed type scenario. LOL. Then suddenly it all stopped. I got up out of bed and went to my partner's room and jumped into his bed. I told him what happened. Um, what do you think was happening to me? Is that the question? Yep. Okay. I thought you said I told him what happened. What do you think is happening to me? I thought she was saying that to her partner. Oh, anyway. it was a full stop. Um, I'm positive it was no dream. It was very real and I can still feel the feelings and remember it in great detail when I think about it. And that was, what, eight years ago. Sounds like sleep paralysis. Wow, Kylie. Yeah, Thanks for sharing. Intense. And that sounds terrifying. It does. And sleep paralysis is one of my greatest fears. So what's sleep I don't have paralysis? many, but that's one of them. Sleep paralysis is very – it sounds like there's a lot of elements that are classic sleep paralysis in there, which is where – you wake up and you can't, you have no control, like you are paralyzed and there's things happening around you and to you, but you have no way to stop them. Now, um, it's very common, um, more common than what people think it is. Um, and it's believed in some vein that, um, that the incubus or the incubi is, um, this energy that, um, is responsible for sleep paralysis. I don't want to freak people out too much, um, but it is a negative energy and lots of different variables come into sleep paralysis. Like there's really only a couple of constants within all of them, which is one, you're paralyzed and you can't move, hence sleep paralysis. Two, it always happens when you're sleeping. So it's like in a deep sleep, it's a certain brainwave state that it will kick in as well. I can't remember what that is. Three, there's usually some kind of shadow man or shadow entity that is able to be identified during the experience that is either really tall and sort of sits over into a corner somewhere. Admittedly, this is the first time that I've ever heard of the bright light um, so I'm not sure about that. So I'm, I, out of my own interest, want to look into that and may get back to people about that. Um, the nuzzling, uh, that can happen during sleep paralysis. Like they can do things to you. The levitation, um, she may have, and I know that she's going to go, no, 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 I absolutely was. A lot of the time when I hear people's sleep paralysis stories, um, they do describe these kinds of things, but it's not true. They're, they just think they are, but they're not. So one of my friends the other day was taught, she gets sleep paralysis often enough. And she had an experience about a month ago. And she was saying that she was doing her usual thing and she was laying next to her husband in the bed and she was doing her usual thing with sleep paralysis. And she was like, I was trying to scream and I, I, was saying his name really loud, but the husband's name. Yeah, but yeah. she wasn't. She was silent, and she was trying to hit him to try and wake up. But you're paralyzed, so it's like you can't move. But he woke up, and he was looking at her, and she said, "I could see him looking at me, but 
I couldn't do anything. Like he was just looking at me. He wasn't helping me. And then when, when she came out of the paralysis and was able to talk to her husband, he said, no, you had your eyes closed the entire time. Oh, wow. But she could see him looking at her and could see the whole room. She could see the shadow man. She could see all of these elements that is typical for her sleep paralysis. But her husband was watching her and said, your eyes were closed the entire time. What woke him up? She did, I think. Like she must, I think she said that he said that he could hear her going, mm. Oh, okay. Um, but in her mind, she was screaming his yeah. name. Yeah. So there is a lot to it that feels so incredibly real and it's not. And levitation is something that like, man, I, I don't, it's never actually been proven. Like we, when we see humans levitate, it's, it, it's not proven. When we see spirits levitating, different story. Yeah. But humans, it's just. Might it have been slightly out of body? Well, that's Potentially. Potentially, okay. yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure that, um, like, I mean, if I can only imagine, and I know sleep paralysis, that they, they are so convinced that that this happens. Like, it, it's so fucking real. It's one of the scariest things, which is why it's one of my biggest fears, because I can't imagine being stuck. And it's like it being in, like, an alternate universe almost. Yeah. Um, or an alternate realm. And... I know that Kylie, you must be 120 billion percent convinced that you were levitating, but I bet you you weren't. But there was a lot going on, um, irrespective of that. I think that that nuzzling thing, again, it's all so real, but it's all in this other sort of um, realm. It's like happening in a separate alternate realm. So it's an experience that's going on. It's just... Well, at some level, yeah. it's really it's really not very well understood. Yeah. And that's one thing that I guess is probably worth mentioning too. So a lot of the paranormal and the spiritual side of things, there's not enough money in science to investigate this sort of stuff. And where do you even begin? Well, you, you begin by having people like Kylie be open to being studied yeah. and to being questioned and tested and do all these things. But until you're actually experiencing that, there's nothing that scientists could do. In yeah. Like you, we'd have to sleep study you and you'd have to have the chance that sleep paralysis would happen again. It was eight years ago for her. Yeah. Some people get it regularly enough, like once or twice a year. Some people maybe get it once every other year. You don't know Some why people never get is. it. No, there's usually no rhyme or reason or trigger. Right. It's not like a lot of the people that I talk to about sleep paralysis, I will ask them that. Have you noticed a rhyme or reason or trigger? And, you know, what are, this, what are the, the constants in your experience? But for Kylie, this sounds exactly like sleep paralysis. And it would have nothing to do with the home at Tumby. It would have nothing to do with the fact that you had an argument. It would have nothing to do with anything other than we don't know. Right. So... You know, as a psychic medium, I say all the time that I would love nothing more than to have some university or some mad scientist, <laughs> you know, hook up my head to something that could tell me how the fuck I do what I do. I know how to do it from what spirit's given me, but I would love to know what's happening that makes me different from you. Yeah. When we're sitting here and I'm talking to dead people, I want to know <laughs> what my human body and brain and all the parts of me makes me different to you. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a million dollar question, but I think us humans probably don't have the facilities to even look into it. Well, Although saying that, Teresa Chung, her um, yeah. podcast and uh, someone that she works with, I can't remember now the name of the... The body, but they do lots of research into it. They do, but there's no money behind it, so it has to no. be privately funded. Yeah. And unless you're like an older or really rich, you know, sort of fanatical spiritualist, which there's not many of us that are really rich and, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, unless you're super, super, super intrigued and interested and maybe have your own self, you know, that has that peak of interest, there is no money in it to do these studies which is why so much of it is left unknown, like sleep paralysis. There's only there's only really just this, yes, there is an awareness and it goes back in history. Like there's there's stories about it forever ago. Like the incubus, the incubi, it is old school, like 
old, old 1600s kind of earliest reported. So probably even before that. Talk about that. So is that the entity that causes the paralysis? Uh, It's the entity that sits on your chest usually and it's like they're coming at you. It's a female and she sort of comes at you and it's a lot of sleep paralysis um, sufferers tend to um, reference almost like she tries to to take your soul out of you. It's like she's trying to take something out of you or suck it out of you. Um, And some people in some vein, like I've got a client who is a Romani gypsy and she um, in the Romani gypsy kind of uh, culture and um, folklore, uh, she is believed to be a curse. So if you experience that sleep paralysis with her, she it's because you've been cursed. Wow. So there are a lot of different, you know, takes. tales yeah. and mm, takes okay. in terms of what it is and why it's there and who it happens to. Yeah. Um, but there is not enough. It's not an inconclusive. No. You know, it's, I mean, it's inconclusive. It's not a conclusive kind of topic. Yeah. And the, the experiences, there are so many similar, you know, constants, but then there are so many variables that are just sure. like blo- mind blowing. That's why I'm like, oh, fuck, can you imagine if I had sleep paralysis? Like, <laughs> I don't know whether it would be any different, but I, I have this fear that it would be because I'd be able to see more. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like if a psychic medium experiences sleep paralysis, are we going to see more than just the shadow man and the incubi? Like, what else are we going to see? And that kind of is like, I don't know if we would, but I question it. Yeah. So I'm just thinking of our listeners that might be freaking the fuck out right now. Yeah, unexplainable, (laughs) expected. And I don't think there is any crystal you can put by your bedside to ward off sleep paralysis people. No, not that I know of. Um, Just a bit of holy water. Everyone knows that holy water is just salt and water, right? So just salt water. And maybe you could just put like a salt perimeter around your bed. (laughs) (laughs) After, if it ever happens, which hopefully it won't. Let me know. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. When you wake up and stuff and get your wits about you, just perhaps, I don't know, can you <laughs> cleanse yourself of that shit? Protect yeah, well, yourself? a lot of the time people who come out of times. it. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, go on. What three say? times. <laughs> no, well, you can't really do anything. And it only happens when you're asleep. And when you wake yep. up, it's gone. Yeah, it's finished. So when you wake up and you're still freaked the fuck out. You're exhausted and you sleep you like a log. Yeah. Well, most of the time you feel like you've run 50 billion miles yeah. Yeah. and you can't do anything and you'll just zonk out. Can you like bathe yourself in white light and protect yourself at least? Probably. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really kind of, of some practical un- advice for people that are scared now. <laughs> Laura's practical advice column. <laughs> All the tools that she's learned. Go on. She's like, what can we do? Crystals, salt, white light, what can we, holy water? What like, you got? What, what you, got? you got? You tell me. Something. What have you learned? <laughs> I don't know. Cleanse, grab, protect. <laughs> Garlic, crosses, crucifixes. Silver dagger. <laughs> yeah, daggers. There we go. I like that. Yeah, sleep with one under your pillow. Uh-huh. Slay that motherfucker. You should start selling daggers. like crystal embedded yeah let's get asher to make them oh we could tosp daggers oh my god yet another thing yeah so kylie i hope that that gives some kind of an understanding as um to sleep paralysis and that is my diagnosis of your situation yes um but unfortunately fortunately you haven't had it happen again but unfortunately there's nothing really that you can do to stop it or to really explain it any more than what I have. But it was real, it happened. It's real and yeah. it happens and you're not crazy. And it's, I don't think we would call it paranormal. I think we would call it supernatural. Ooh, okay. Um, and that's kind of the realm that, um, the realm of interest and sort of uh, research that you could go down when it comes to sleep paralysis. But everything is just experience, speculation, constants, and that's all they have when it comes to sleep paralysis. So if you're listening to this podcast and you happen to be a rich, mad scientist, spiritualist, and you would like to hook my head up and maybe Kylie's or anyone else that's got sleep paralysis, then please contact us at tospsychic at gmail.com <laughs> with your budget and a time frame. Because <laughs> I'll be there. I will make it happen. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed 
See you next time. Ciao.